Sunday, December the 3rd. Welcome to this Burlington Audio Podcast. We hope you will be encouraged and inspired in your faith as you listen to this message. We'd love to hear what you think. Please be in touch with us through the website. More information and many more podcasts are all at burlingtonbaptist.org.uk. Thanks for listening. We are going to, uh, today, gather some themes that are important to us. Or even if you don't recognize them as being important to us, they're important to me. So we're going to do it anyway. And uh, bringing together kind of things over the years that we've been learning and growing and understanding in and using some of that as a bit of a frame for uh, the beginnings of our journey through Christmas called Christmas Character. One of the things that has been good has been the professionalism of the Word of God because I've made a living out of that. The shadow side of it, though, that was a joke. The shadow side of it, though, is that we only think that we can hear God speak to us in certain ways and in certain frames. And one of the rediscoveries that is important to us is that God's call on our lives is not just to be discipled, but God's call on our lives is to disciple one another. And what we want to do again and again on a Sunday is create the kind of culture that we want to see in the life of our church. And of course, our church isn't when we gather on a Sunday. Our church is where we spend our time 24-7. It's being uh, who God's called us to be in those places and with those people where God has already uh, put us. So the, the around table stuff that we've done for the last few weeks is a very deliberate uh, both antidote and balance to the previous 8, 10, 12 weeks where it was one person at the front sharing on many in that kind of environment. The writer to the Colossians, Paul, said, let the word of God dwell in you richly. And he was talking to groups like the ones that we've created, meeting in people's homes around Colossae. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. So what I would love us to experience this morning is the word of God dwelling in us richly. And it goes on, as you admonish, as you share with one another, with spiritual insight, psalms and hymns, depending on which translation you look at. So I'd love us at the end of the next 20 minutes, half an hour, for us to have experienced God speaking to us because we've engaged with one another. Now, engaging with one another might simply mean listening and uh, and responding. Engaging with one another might mean taking the courage to initiate something in uh, the conversation. Because the Bible promises us Not only that God has spoken, but that God continues to speak through his word that's both living and active. So that's our collective experience that we would know God's word as being living and active. And if we want to be those people who live out of the depths, uh, hark back to the series that's just come to an end... 
then we need to be those people who are willing to stop, to pause, and ask, well, what is the deeper question? What is the thing behind the thing? What is really going on here in this story? And so that's the big question we're going to ask ourselves about the Christmas story. What's the thing behind the thing? What's really going on? And the problem is, the more familiar we become with the story, the more we treat it at its surface, superficial level. It's a danger in our relationships, isn't it? The more familiar we get with people, the more shallow we can be because we don't make the effort to go deeper. When you're first in a relationship with someone, you will spend more, uh, more effort, more energy on heart because you're building something, but then that can tail off to our detriment. So we become very familiar with the Christmas story. We know about the duck that Alan referred to, and we know about the octopus, and we know about all those important things. But we want to ask the deeper questions, what's the thing behind the thing? Is it just about wise men and shepherds and stuff? What's the real character of Christmas. So, this is a question. Which character in the Christmas story do you most relate to and why? I might have missed the odd character, but there at least are some of them in the Christmas story. Which character in the Christmas story do you most relate to and why? Just one minute by ourselves. Imagine that in 60 seconds, sharing with someone around the table, your life depends on it. So you'll have to say something in 60 seconds. What are you going to say? Father, we just invite you into this space, into these moments. As we gather around these tables, it's precious, it's sacred, it's holy. Because whenever we gather in your name, you promise to be there right in the middle of it all. Be in the middle of our thinking, be in the middle of our conversations, be in the middle of our sharing together, that we might draw on the truth of your word and that we might be changed and transformed and set free by it in Jesus' name. We don't know whether there was a donkey. But there definitely was a lamb, so maybe the lamb should have been up there as well. Which character? Turn that into a conversation. If you really don't like the people you're sitting by, get up and move somewhere else. (laughs) Yep.
Okay, what I'd love you to do, move, movement is good for us. This is not a static kind of game. Uh, let's have five people come and share something. So, so send someone from your table now. I think there's a lack of clarity about how this is working. Let's have five people now. Come on, here we come. Okay, here we go. Let's do it. So the most interesting thing on our table was that we all chose a different character. So I um, chose Elizabeth because that's my name. Come but on. The, <laughs> but the reason I chose it is because hearing the Christmas story right from being a little girl, obviously that always like, oh, it's my name. But what I really took from it was that she was a mother who brought up her son to follow what God had told him to do and John the Baptist's life. And that inspired me to try and bring up my sons to follow what God would call them to do. Wow. That's enough, isn't it, for today? That's brilliant. Round of applause. Yeah. So on our table, we had three people who wanted to be Joseph or who identified with Joseph. Um, I chose John the Baptist on the basis that he was kind of a quirky kind of guy, right? <laughs> Eating honey and wild locusts and going around in very odd clothing. Don't say anything. About <laughs> um, and but he remember he grew up with Jesus, so. He's yet saying he must increase and I must decrease. He was always pointing, this is the one, this is the one. And an outsider, maybe a bit misunderstood, and kind of identified with that. I would, I'll be totally honest. I actually struggled to find a character that I most relate to because I think that is a massive thing to think of, me personally. Yep. So I... I'd love to come up here and say, yeah, I'm related to that, but totally honest, I need more time. Different question. Which character most inspires you? Okay, that's different. Yep. So, Fake it till you make it, Liam. Off you go. <laughs> <laughs> so I think it was something that um, Stefan brought up and when we were together the other night about the wise men. Mm-hmm. You imagine traveling for that many years, you know, and the doubts and, and you know, to keep going for that many years. Yep. So, and obviously we've all read it loads of times in the Bible, that story, but when he said that, I was like, yeah, that's a good insight. So that's something that I will think about when I continue to read that story, you know, that it wasn't just a quick, you know, to get there, it was, it was years. So, yeah, now you say that question, that's, that's a totally different spin. There you go. So, yeah. You just want to get some words out of you, just, I just, I do. do. There's a preacher inside you, Liam. We'll get it out. It, think, about, think about what Liam's saying for a moment. We're going to talk about curiosity in a minute. So how old was Jesus when the wise men turned up? Well, why do you say that? Why do you say that? Anyone know? Yes, the assumption is he must have been, or at least Herod thought the child could have at least been two because it was to kill all the babies under two. 
That's where we think the wise men. So if you're thinking of coming as a wise man next week, you've got two years to get your costume sorted out, all right? There's no hurry whatsoever. There's nothing like being late to the party. Uh, Becky? Uh, We had lots of different answers on our table as well, and I think we win because we've got the real-life Mary this year. Um, (laughs) But I said Joseph because I feel like he just doesn't really have a clue what's going on, but he's just like... (laughs) faithfully following God and I think that's really cool so. not having a clue I'm going to write down in terms of our <laughs> themes Ray, thank you very much how do you think how do you think people in different parts of the world would think about the story who they might identify with Every child, I didn't want to be Mary, if it's all right with you. Not every child. No, but I know, yeah, lots of children identify with Mary and maybe Joseph. Come on, shepherds for the Welsh people. Which will bring us to a theme in a minute. Uh, the, okay, the marginalized. The Welsh people are marginalised. Have you noticed that if they want to make fun of someone, they give them a Welsh accent? If they really want to make fun of someone, they make them a Welsh vicar type. Hmm. There's nothing funny about that at all. What part of the story are you curious about? These are just a few things to get your juices flowing. What are you curious about? You might have been curious about the wise men, and it's interesting, isn't it, how we just have the wise men sort of rocking up after lunch and the shepherds came at coffee time. That's the kind of way that we've thought about it. And yet, uh, if we get into the, into the story, the perseverance, the persistence of the wise men was, uh, was extraordinary, what they left behind in order to get to uh, a baby. And uh, God spoke through a star. Is that for real? If someone came in this morning and said, well, I've decided to follow a star, how would you respond to that? And, and do you notice how significant the dreams were? The dreams saved Jesus' life. A dream saved a marriage. A dream did all kinds of amazing things. And yet sometimes when I dream, I think it's to do with last night's pizza. So be curious about the dreams. And then there's angels rocking up all over the place. Talking, frightening people, frightening young girls, singing in the sky. Think about the whole human frailty of it all. That, that uh, the whole story begins with a single human cell. The vulnerability of someone without position or power carrying a child. Someone with the vulnerability of Joseph feeling that his whole life is about to be put to shame. Think of the global significance that it, this whole story involves religious people like Elizabeth and Zechariah, who had been faithful to the temple system all of their lives in a beautiful way. Think about Herod, who controls by fear the power that he believes is his. 
Think of the wise men who were the the foreigners. They're from a different place. They have a different view. They're not like us. Then there's the shepherds that we would seek to avoid who are the ones that we rather wouldn't want to be associated with. And then in the middle, there's this poor family that have got no rights and no resources. And Jesus was homeless, a refugee and an enemy of the state before he was two. So where did all that joy come from? Huh? In a messed up story like that, where did all the joy come from? And why was the impact of the story so ridiculously small? If God was going to do something so amazing, why did so few care or even notice? Those are just a few of my curiosities. What are yours? What are yours? If you haven't got a curiosity right now, steal one of mine and say it was one of yours anyway. But just dig a little bit. What are you curious about? It's a really weird story, isn't it? Really weird. Think about the story from a very human perspective. We read it in mythological terms quite often. Imagine the story as very real and earthy. How terrified was Joseph? How committed were the wise men? How surprised were the shepherds? Think about it in earthly, human terms. Off you go.
One, well, just one more minute. You know the drill. So we'll have five people to come. So if you, the person on the table that was itching to come last time but was beaten to it in the race to get out, now's your big moment. Yeah, great, here we go. I'm curious to know what conversation the Father and Jesus had just before he came. Thank you, I've been press-ganged. Um, I think two things. One, I, I suppose the first picture I had was how fluffy the nativity scene is and how nice and how it just seems perfect, but actually behind a lot of that story is a lot of pain, a lot of suffering, a lot of fear, all sorts, and, and how in life we can quite often, I suppose on the Christian journey, make things like that when actually it's not. Mm -hmm. And the other thing I think was your little um, one at the end there about how quite often in life we make small things very insignificant again, but actually when God, like the, Christians, the Christmas story, actually he can make it very significant. So not to undermine the small things that we do. I feel like I can sit down because AD said everything. <laughs> he did. So we were, I think, reflecting on on how we make Christmas cozy and nice, but actually underneath it all is a refugee, enemy of the state, a teenager who's pregnant and there's a lot of trauma going on um and i i was reflecting um for me this year the curiosity has been around the homeless refugee enemy of the state because we've got colleagues who are helping um a chinese family in sweden who have the sweden's been trying to get rid of them for years did get rid of them dumped them back it's been this awful story of um uh you know the mother imprisoned they they're trying to get them recognized as, as just people somewhere. Um, one of their kids was uh, really, really sick and trying to get them treated. And so I think for us, we've been journeying with them this year. And I think that's kind of brought home, actually. That's the reality that Mary and Joseph were living with, with Jesus within that. Um, my curiosity is why then... And why there? Uh, Rome was the big centre, so why not in Italy somewhere? Got any answers? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, Great question. Um, su super question, isn't it? Why did? What does it say about the time that Jesus came? What does the Bible say about that? Galatians talks about it. Paul does in Galatians. What does he say? In, in the full, what does that mean, Alan? The fullness of time. You haven't got the faintest clue. Well, fullness of time as he sees it, as opposed to how we see it. Yeah. So there's something about there's something about God's timing in all of that, isn't there? Where's Helen gone? That's a partial answer, isn't it? There's something about when the it's like when when a pregnancy of some kind was fully ready. And there's a thought, right?
When the fullness of something that God was working on was, uh, was ready, why was it ready then? Great question. Julie. Um, sorry, I've always forgotten what I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. So we were thinking a bit about the vulnerability, but the human frailty, vulnerability, and thinking about giving birth in a stable with straw. You know, I was thinking, blimey, I wouldn't want to do that. And the risk, the physical risk in that, the risk of infection, you know, that's what yep. I'm thinking. The, the, the huge yep. risk that is to the mother and the baby, and she would have been scared witless. And then the other thing we were thinking about was, well, where were the rest of Joseph's family? Because they were there for the census. Why were they in the stable? Where were the rest of the family? And is it because they were really outcast by their family as well? We just, I don't know the answer to that, but we just wondered about that. Great question. So didn't they believe Joseph? Yeah, that's what we were talking about. They probably mm-hmm. didn't believe Joseph. And were they in the stable because actually they were shunned by their family as well? I don't know. Mm, great. I'm just gathering resources for next year's sermon series, that's all. You think I'm joking? It's interesting, isn't it? What just strikes you by what we're doing? What, 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 somebody just say something. What, Alan? The story we think we know so well actually still is still present in the rest of the There's a mystery. Yeah, we think we know. I, I thought I knew Exodus chapter 2 and 3 until I really started preaching it this autumn term. Interesting, isn't it? What, what do we think we know? Someone observed something else about this process we're just doing together. humanizing it it's real it's uh, which is at the heart of it isn't it we say that god came to will god came to earth for god so loved the what the world what what's the connotations of that word that's used for world it's a cosmos actually in the greek what's the what's the what's the connotation of that using that particular word anyone know the cosmos was a, in that culture, was the world that's dark and broken and dirty and forlorn and forgotten. God so loved that world that he came to earth. Now that preaches, doesn't it? We should try that one week, shouldn't we? Yeah? Anything else? Yeah, so we're all asking, just in case people can't hear, so we're all asking questions and uh, uh, the deeper questions about it's not just the fluff, is it something deeper going on? What I'd like you to do, just in your own, in your own head, talk to the person in your head if you're an extrovert, I tried that in France. I tried that in France a few weeks ago with a translator, and it didn't work at all. I said, "Tell them to talk to the person in your head," and he went, "Okay." And we had this little side conversation about what that meant. And in France, there's this in French, there's this phrase: um, "He doesn't walk alone." 
which otherwise means he's... No, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying. So, just for one minute, on a scale of one to ten, okay, ten is I absolutely love the last 20 minutes, and one is I really didn't like it at all, and it's the most awful thing, and I'm never, ever coming back again. That's one. And you're not allowed to be number five. What number are you? Just, just work out what that is. You all got your number? Stand up if you were a 10. So you loved it. This is, this is a guilt-free, judgment-free zone, isn't it? We're in a safe place. Great. Stand up. Uh, sit down. Stand up if you're in a nine. Mm. So I'm curious as to what would have made it a 10. Don't have to answer that now, but that's curious. Sit down. Different what? Different table. Yeah, different. <laughs> <laughs> who, who, who was a seven or an eight? Stand up if you were a seven or eight. Okay, curious. What would have made it? What would have made it better? Mm. Okay, different table maybe. Sit down. A six, kind of just in. You kind of oh, if I have to, if I have to confess. Graham, give Graham a round of it. Graham. <laughs> um, a four or a three. You kind of um, a two or a one. Stand up if you haven't stood up. Some people are fibbing. Okay. We all respond, process in different ways. Some of us love the space, the thoughtfulness. Some of us love the interaction. Nevertheless, there is amazing truth for us to discover in God's word when we just start talking about it. And what people sometimes say is, oh, what if we get it wrong? Ever heard that as a defense for why I'm not going to talk about it or think about it? What if I get it wrong? There are 999 things out of 1,000 that we'll get right before we get the one thing wrong. So let's risk the things that we're going to get right for the sake of the one thing that we might get wrong. And hey, even preachers occasionally get it wrong, so someone once said. So let's work on what we can get right and allow the Word of God to richly dwell within us. What I'd love you to do now is to just spend two minutes, uh, maybe just one minute in silence. What has caught your attention this morning? Where is God getting your attention? Where is God saying, oh, think about that. What is that? What is that? Do you know what it is? And this is the way God gets your attention. It might have been a surprise this morning. Or it might have been the moment when someone spoke and you went, oh yeah, that's it. Or it might have been something that you thought about and you didn't have enough courage to say it, but you were thinking about it. It might be the thing that someone else around the table said and you wished you'd said it first. It might have been that you've been through an experience and something that someone has said this morning has really resonated with your experience. 
Thank you, Jesus, for your presence. Thank you, Jesus, that you speak to us through one another. Thank you, Jesus, that you've been at work even in these last 25 minutes as we've looked at your story. What I would love you to do for one minute, so this is really quick, I love it if you just go around your table and just literally say one thing that's caught your attention. That's it. You don't have to confess any dark sins. We can do that next time, if you like. But I'm just asking you just to what's caught your attention. What is it? Name it. Speak it out. There might be lots of things. Just go for one. Okay, you've got 30 seconds to get around the whole group, so speed it up if someone's still talking. Okay, great. Well done, everybody. You encouraged? Has God said anything this morning? The journey is this. What's God saying? What am I going to do about it? And how do I feel? And the third question we'll talk a lot about or more about through the Daniel Fast. It's such an important discipleship question. It's our heart that often, often stops us doing what our mind and will agree uh, about. What I'd love you to do, and uh, I'll have no way of knowing whether you ever did it. It's one of those things where the more you put into it, the more you'll get out of it. 
what I'd love you to do is to try and answer those three questions and share the answer to those three questions with someone who's around your table before you come back here next Sunday morning. As we share what God is saying and what we're committing to with one another, it creates accountability, but also encouragement and prayer and support and wisdom and insight. We are better together in a world falling apart where are people coming together. Amen? Let's sing. Whilst the band gets themselves ready, just allow that, those questions just to settle on your heart. But what is it? What is it that I, that I need to do in response to what God is saying? What, it, what is that? 